he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. friends and welcome to another episode of Volatified, the one only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellata, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Posalinis. Hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. So what's on your mind today? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So this morning I woke up thinking, Agape mu seaka po santa matia mutathio. My love, I love you like my two eyes. Oh, thank you. Sasparakalo. So what's on your mind? I'm glad you asked. Ooh, is it what I'm thinking? Yep. Today's tip of the day is all about event entertainment. What do you know? Where event entertainment is concerned, size matters. Want a dinner dance band for a group of 100 or less? Well, two or three pieces with a backing track is all you need. Planning on upwards of 200 guests? Then a five to seven piece will work nicely. Planning on more than that? Well, good for you. If you've got the budget and the space allotment, go for it. That's your tip of the day. All right, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, Why thank, thank you. you. All right. Our guest today has helped local and national charities raise millions of dollars across the U.S., blending his talent as a fast-talking auctioneer with active crowd engagement and humor as well as his unique ability and understanding on the technical production side, all this make him the sought-after talent for both virtual and live events from coast to coast. He's worked as a voiceover artist, as well as on-screen talent and commercials and all sorts of things. And he's worked with celebrities such as our favorite Anthony, Jay Leno, as well as Chris Pratt and my one of my favorites too, Dana Carvey, just to name a few. So please welcome the man with the dulcet tones, the one, the only, Clint Bell. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and and all true, all true, yes. having worked with you many times. <clears throat> Well, it's, uh, you know, when you get to write your own bio, you learn how just creative that one can be in a writing environment. Uh, so That's I right. usually give that to somebody else because I'm not very good at it. But there's so many words to choose from. So many. I like dulcet, <laughs> though. Thank you, Alex. I, I do. You're I welcome. Do. That's my favorite one. <laughs> well, we like to start uh, in the way that we like to start, which is to say we have a little icebreaker, 10 questions we call 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions? All right, first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Clint Bell, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Yes. What do you love most about what you do? The people that I get to meet and the people that I get to work with. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you tried something new? Oh gosh, the last time I tried something new on the culinary scene was just recently, as recent as last week. Uh, from a lifestyle thing. Oh, you know what? I did that last week as well. I learned how to install plate glass windows into plate glass door frames. Come over anytime. Right? Anytime. <laughs> okay. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Friendly? Nice. I like it. <laughs> I think that's perfect. That's a tough question. Pick one. Award show or beauty pageant? To participate in or to host? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to participate. Oh, goodness. Wait, let me think. 
Uh, either please. one, you, you choose. I think from a hosting standpoint, I think hosting an award show would be a ton of fun. Although the beauty pageant does have, certainly it's a lure uh, to be in, to be actively participated in, whether to be awarded or to be in. I'd have to say a beauty pageant because there's a chance that you get both the award and the beauty pageant. And so I, I want to see you in a bikini. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. And I, I think that's something we would all like to see, actually, you in a beauty pageant. So I think we've got three boats for beauty actually, pageant. Yes. I'm there. I, do I get a sash, though? I'm really, in, I'm just in it for the sash. I'm going to make one for you personally. <laughs> that's all you get is the sash and yeah. the suit. <laughs> okay, good enough. Good enough. It's a different kind of beauty pageant, Anthony. I'm not sure that I belong there, but all right. Beauty is in the high, eyes of the beholder. That's right. All right, Clint, what is the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced? Live concert show or festival, I would have to say my most memorable was Willie Nelson and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, a completely blacked out stage and lightning flashing all over Denver as you just sat outside and watched Willie Nelson sing Down by the River. It was awesome. So was it a blackout? Wow. No, no, uh, no. So he was a very <clears throat> purposefully non-creative. Like the, the stage was just very basic. Everybody was in black t-shirts and jeans and it was just basic lighting, but the obviously Red Rocks Amphitheater yes. in Colorado is gorgeous. Stunning natural environment. And as it looks out over Denver, there was this air to air lightning storm that, that no production manager could have ever conjured, but wow. it made all of the staging and it all came together. That was probably, that was, that was pretty cool. Wow. There's no getting upstage by the lightning, is there? Right. We're going to play right into it. it, it why not? Just turn absolutely. the lights out and let's get to it. it was, but, was there ever any fear that y'all were going to get hit by lightning or it was no, far enough no, away? No, it, was, it was far enough in the Okay, I mean, it cool. It was just one of those, you know, riders on the storm. It was just these right. thundering lightning and the clouds were flashing and it was, it was it was really cool. It was really, that was probably my most memorable. Now that's an act of God I can get down with. Right? Exactly. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. You just do that anytime, big guy. <laughs> Clint, what do you think about while you're driving? I'm usually on the phone while I'm driving. I know that's terrible to say. It's not terribly safe, but uh, given the pace at which I sometimes have to move, I'm typically having conference calls or I'm calling while I'm on the road uh, going from point A to point B. Nobody ever says driving. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's a test. Wait, I should have responded. Well, of course I listened to the Bolotified podcast. With That's what he says. Thank you. This interview you. is ended. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you have him over to your home for dinner? Wow, I think... I think I would, not only to enjoy the spectacle of a talking mouse, but I would ask him about his variety of costumes and capabilities and all of his misadventures. To learn from. Of course, absolutely. Yes, of course. As a guiding light, as a guiding source. In fact, I think I've got uh, Mickey and a safari outfit around here somewhere. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> that's your next step, but that's your formal for the beauty pageant, just saying. Oh, nice, okay. Pip helmet would be good. Yeah. yeah. Clint Bell, have you ever done drag? No, but I have been handcuffed to one and on stage all the time uh, with uh, with wonderful, wonderful drag performers. Well, that's something else we'll have to look forward to. Yes. Again, I think it goes back to the beauty pageant. I think, I think so. And then lastly, what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? I wish I could stop binging books. I wish I could. I wish I could set a book down, right? I I, I typically get involved, and I, I have to read it all the way through to the end, and I, I can't focus Clint, on anything else. That's like saying, "I wish I could leave the gym after an hour." I wish I, I could. I wish I stop eating. You know, my my vegetables. Right. I wish I could stop eating vegetables. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, no, I think the problem is, is that I get, I get started and then I get consumed by it, especially if it's a great book, right? So if I, if I get consumed by it, I just, I can't, I can't figure out a way to do anything else. And I just recently finished one and I refused to download the next book in the series because I knew that I was, I was going into a time back. So has Courtney, the lovely Courtney, ever uttered these five words to you? Put that damn book down. 
maybe not the maybe not the damn parts, um, but definitely put the book down. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. See, she's she's kind of over your book reading too. I, I guess it has reached a, a level of uh, of need here. You need you need an intervention. I was just going to say that. Yep. Yes. It's a literary intervention. That's right. So, so Clint, let's talk about what you do and how it impacts the meeting and events community. Uh, you've been hosting fundraisers, corporate events, all kinds of events for a number of years, and you have a voice that only God could love. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but I'm not the voice of God because I believe that role is taken. In. Well, you know, that's what they say. But uh, any of us who considers himself God really has some accountability issues, I think. <laughs> As a woman, I'm just going to stay quiet. Okay. <laughs> Although um, yeah, I so I I've I've had the pleasure of being in the in the event space uh, professionally for gosh almost fifteen years now, fifteen sixteen years, uh, and so as an auctioneer is sort of how I got started, um, talking fast, selling items, and trying to raise necessary funds for organizations big and small, and and that sort of kind of fed upon itself and and got me into more of the corporate world and corporate space and that has then turned back around and fed back into the to the charitable organizations and that kind of good thing so i provide stage personality maybe i guess that's what uh, that's what it is because sometimes it's a lot more than just talking fast and auctioneering right sometimes it is figuring out a way to engage with the crowd figuring out a way to reinforce the messaging that they're hearing um, or in some cases figuring out a way to send everybody to the buffet line and not look like a jerk when you, mm-hmm. you know, announce that table one can go, but table 10 has got to stay around for a while. So uh, all of those, all of those duties fall under the, the, the panoply of what I do. And you've been doing this for 15 years and you started out as an auctioneer. Yes. Yeah. Did I, you, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. I, I started out uh, with a very small event um, uh, that was a, a private organization and and sort of it started snowballing from there so definitely as an auctioneer. and were you always able to uh you say talk fast it's the, the, the how do i put this otherwise it's 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 the talk of a of a fast talking salesman if you will sure yeah, yeah. how 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 did you master that technique? Because it is technique. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, we're not, I'm not playing guitar or hitting notes on the scale and those types of things, right? I mean, it's a, I, I appreciate the, the thought, it, but it, I think it's repetition. I grew up listening to a gentleman who was a for-real cattle auctioneer out of Ohio. He was a friend of the family and actually did the event prior to my taking it over, um, 17, 18 years ago. And so I grew up listening to him and I was always helping out at the auction. I was running the item out to the person that mm-hmm. bought it, or I was helping to spot bids. You know, I, I was that um, mildly amusing, mostly awkward kid on stage that was, <laughs> you know, his, his assistant. And growing up and listening to it, I, I think I started mimicking him and I, and I just started parroting sort of what I had heard from him. Uh, I was a show choir kid in high school. So, I mean, I performed um, in a show choir, Glee before Glee was Glee. You know, it was right. it was cool. It was it was a lot of sequins and polyester. It, was it, it wasn't cool when you were no. in choir. No, no, no. Let's just be clear about that. I know because I was there too. But no. again, I want pictures of the sequins and polyester. So do I. Yes, there's uh, there. Well, uh, yeah, we dug out some photographs the other day. I, I'll, I'll I'll share them with you, Alex and Anthony. Thank you, thank uh, you. The CNC Music Factory in black lycra and red sequin shoulder pads was, uh, it was not a, it was not a good look. Not a good look. So uh, it, it, in terms of the other uh, professionals in town who do the auctions, yeah, how do you set yourself apart? And, and do you even try to set yourself apart from the others? Well, there are a lot of individuals in town that are that are really good at it, that have that that have a wonderful way of communicating and speaking to an audience, and and so setting myself apart. I guess one of the things I always try to pride myself on is is I want to be the easiest and best person that you have worked with, that has made your life as an event planner, that has made your life as a producer better. Right? It, it, we all we all pull together in the same direction, or or the ship sinks. And so I think setting it apart is, is setting aside ego 
uh, and just making sure to deliver whatever type of show, whatever type of messaging is necessary. Because in my humble opinion, the ones with all the talent are the event planners, the people that spend waking moments on a daily basis, putting together, curating and producing this amazing party that happens, you know, for three hours on a Saturday or on a Friday. And, and while the fundraising is, is, an, is a critical and important part, my role in that is, is, is very small. So I want to be sure that, that that is an easy thing for people to work with. Um, and then the day of the event, you know, hopefully everybody gets to have fun and celebrate. And, and, and I like to put on that that producer and director hat. And I like to run, I like to run the clock. I like to be sure that whoever is in charge of the event gets to do what they need to do, which is grip and greet guests, which is deal with some of those issues. Like somebody got sat at a table and somebody else is mad that they're not at the front table. Those are bigger issues that they have to solve, making sure that the show comes off and that we deliver on their messaging and deliver on their production is, is what I'm all about. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I, I want to try to do uh, outside you of do. that. I get it. I get a sash. I mean, I think that's the only you thing. Get a sash. <laughs> you know, I have to say, I, I was emailing um, the lovely Courtney asking for some some event. And I said, you know, what is what are his writer requirements? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, he has no ego. Just make sure he has water. <laughs> like, but is there anything else he needs? No, nah, make sure he has water. And, you know, a couple of other things which are very standard. OK. And everybody else was sending me these, you know, Page long riders. Yeah, he just needs water. Uh, it's it, you know. It, I guess uh, when you get to a place of, of of when you get to ask for those things, that's great. But the most awkward thing in the world for me was an event where they absolutely mandated. They said, "No, you have to have a green room. You you have to have a meal in your green room." And I said, "Well, it's not necessary, but okay, fine." And they the ballroom that we were having the event in was the size of a standard ballroom, about five hundred people. My green room was the ballroom next door. <laughs> and there was a single table in the middle of said ballroom with a single plate of food. And it was the most depressing dining environment that I've ever seen. I was like, I would rather eat a peanut butter sandwich in the back with the tech team than yeah. go sit in there and, right. and eat filet mignon. So, you know, I, I think most importantly, as, as part of the production team, if I'm, if I'm permitted to, to pair myself with that incredible profession, I like to be where the action is. I like to understand what's going on. I think that allows us to deliver a better show mm -hmm. when everybody knows what each aspect is going in. And that's not to say that I'm interested in doing that aspect. It's just if I understand where the audio production has technical challenges and difficulties, I can be sure that I don't ever put them into a space where they're having to deal mm -hmm. with that challenge. Or if we have a video, what does it say? How does it end? Where does it start? So that timing seems more natural. None of that happens by just hiding in a green room, you know, with your, with mm -hmm. your green M&Ms and then making your appearance on stage and then, and then leaving again. I, 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 I like to be more a part of the production than I am just in it, I guess. It, it, and if I can add just one thing, you know, going back to you saying you, you, you're nice, you like to be nice, right? You are, you're a kind, you're a kind human. That's, you aren't just that way to the big wigs in the room. You're that way to everybody. And the example being, so I, I was having uh, with my daughter last night and I said, oh, you know, I'm going to get to see Clint Bell. She goes, oh, tell him I said hi, because you've worked with her on several events and you're always very kind to her and you always make her feel very relaxed. And, you know, no matter what she's doing. So your kindness extends to anybody in the room, not just the people who can do for you, which says a lot about you. Well, thank you. Oh, and your daughter is phenomenally talented. So I'm not sure why she needs calming down, but, uh, but <laughs> uh, listen, it's a, it's, um, there are, there are hundreds of organizations that are doing incredible things, not only in San Diego, but across the U S and that stems from everything from medical research, making our world a, a better, more equitable place when it comes to health or people that are trying to find housing solutions for, for the unhoused. And, and so, Anybody that is taking part in that, whether they are serving water at the table or they are donating hundreds of thousands of dollars, everybody plays a key role in making that happen. So there's no, yeah, I don't, I don't really think uh, anybody is bigger than anyone. Well, I just have to point out, though, that everything you've just said to us is the reason why you are so good at what you do, and it is what differentiates you from everyone else. The fact that you care so much about the entire event, 
and all of the efforts that everyone else puts in is reason for that. Um, having worked with other auctioneers in the past, uh, it, they don't all approach an event in that way. Most of them want to do as good a job, right? It's not that people come in wanting to do a worse job, but they're so focused on their part and what it is they need to do that I think they lose sight of the entire event and how just a few little tweaks to their approach could really make them more successful, like listening and paying attention and uh, caring about all the other facets of the event. Uh, so much so, Clint, and I know that you would never, ever say this yourself, but there are organizations, and I know quite a few of them personally in town, that won't do an event without Clint Bell. Yep. <laughs> no, that, I, know, no. I, know that, I know that's overwhelming for you, but that is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, having been on the boards of some of them, I'm in the discussions about dates, and I hear and actually, I'm a proponent of, is Clint available on that date? If not, we can't do it then. And we have actually selected other dates. And, and I say that with a little bit of um, fun, because mo there have been times when I've called uh, entertainers to see if they're available, and, the, and they'll say no. Would they consider another date? And I always laugh, because I think, you, know, you don't know all of the work that's been done <laughs> to this right. point, but... In your case, exactly. it it goes that way. If you are yep. not available, the date gets changed. And <laughs> and that is not to stroke your ego because you have none. You drink only water. But it's well, the truth. On, on show, I drink only water. After the show, <laughs> that's a whole different story. And, and, and to this point, uh, and to the point you said earlier, uh, you mentioned personality. It goes way beyond personality. Mm -hmm. uh, although that is really a part of it. You are not afraid to poke a little fun at yourself. You're not afraid to poke and cajole at people in the audience and you do it in a way that's not offensive. Uh, and it helps. It helps to gain people's focus, to bring them in on the idea of giving because not everybody's in the same headspace when you walk on stage. Uh, but you manage to, Wow. And I've seen it over and over again. You manage to corral them and bring them in and get their focus. It's really amazing. And I just have to end this long, long monologue by saying that, uh, oh, it's probably 10 years ago that I first started doing events with La Jolla Playhouse. I did their gala for probably six years. The first year we did their gala, I wasn't familiar with the auctioneer. Uh, he came out on stage and I will kid, I kid you not. He walked out on stage and half of the ballroom left. Really? To go get a drink, to go into the foyer, to go use the restroom. And I thought, wow, this guy's a real party killer. The minute he walked out, he hadn't said a word. That never happens with Clint Bell, mm -mm. ever, 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 ever. Well, Even it's like, a, you know, I think that people are, uh, they're maybe hopefully expecting a bad car accident. They simply can't look away until they've uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bad car accident that occurs on stage. No, it's, yeah. you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's, it is a, it's an honor to, to, to actually get to work with some of these organizations and these groups and, and see the good stuff that is being done out in the world. And, to your point, Anthony, you know, I think that refocusing everybody's attention on, on raising funds is, is, is an aspect of the event, but I, it's, it's really, it's just, it's channeling and refocusing the crowd's energy sort of, sort of back at them, right? It's a, it's a people are there because they want to be a part of an event. They, they are there because they believe in the cause or they believe in the person that invited them to share that cause. And, and so finding ways to just sort of reflect that back onto them as an audience is, is really the, the, the aspect that I think is, is takes the most work um, because during the, during the virtualized events um, that was really challenging when you can't, when you can't feed off of people that are in the audience, when you can't reflect that energy that you're feeling on stage back to them, it's, it's really a different game, you know, mm -hmm. then you're, then you're just calling bingo in a hall and uh, yeah, somebody right. raises their hand. It's great, but it, it's, um, Thank you, Rebby, for all the nice comments. I don't 
I, I hope that nobody changes dates on, on my behalf because of all of the work that goes into it and all of the planning and all of the time. I, I know that it happens. I'm not, not blind to that, but I, I would hope that the goal and the, 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 the foundation or the event, the organization is, is, is far superior and more important than, than me. That's but the reason for that is because mm -hmm. of the, to be honest, just to be completely blunt, it's the yield right? It's what is going to come out of having you there. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's you. They also know they're so, going to be able to raise a lot more because yeah, let, of you. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, they wouldn't even look at you twice, no matter yeah. how entertaining you were. They'd say, well, that was really fun, but we didn't raise <laughs> enough money. We need somebody better. Right. Yeah. So you, sure. you mentioned the virtual aspect. What, what, if anything, is different now than it was before the pandemic with regard to your job and what you do? I think we're starting, I think the creativity of events is starting to change a little bit, you know, um, for the, for the little while there prior to the pandemic, it was sort of the, I don't want to say the same formula, right. But it was, it was a very formulaic type of an event. Uh, the invitation went out, it had a theme, we did cocktails, a silent auction, and then we went into the main ballroom, we had some entertainment, we had a live auction, we had some more entertainment and, and everybody was home. And so I think with the virtual event, I think people are starting to embrace the technology that was absolutely mandatory during those events, right? Which is the online bidding aspects and the silent auction where you're doing it via your phone and QR codes and the like. And that is changing the dynamic of live events today because that virtualized aspect is now slightly a part of mm -hmm. the whole process, right? So before that, BidPal, um, OneCause, those technological platforms were sort of out there. They definitely existed, but the you know, the full embracing of them did not happen until until the lockdowns occurred and until COVID occurred. And there was no other way mm -hmm. to reach out to people in that space. And so that little aspect of technology is, I think, a, a really critical key piece to coming into some of the the live auction sets because one of the things that was always challenging was that formulaic event process where we had an hour and a half for cocktail, you know, your 90 minute cocktail hour, most of the time, certainly here in San Diego and other, lots of other parts of the world, everybody was 30 minutes late, right? Program starts, you know, party starts at six, everybody got there at 6.30. So now we're down to an hour of that silent auction and the logistical planning of closing it, having that time while they're dining for volunteers to get everything staged and organized and ready for checkout. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of logistics mm -hmm. with that, that technological aspect that's now been more fully embraced, made more fully available, we are able now to take care of a lot of those things prior to the event day. It extends that period, which is great. Um, and I think the, honestly, the payment processing has gotten a lot better. Um, I hear fewer and fewer clients go, well, gosh, we thought we sold that case of wine, but nobody ever came to pay for it or mm -hmm. pick it up. So I guess we still have a case of wine. So I think it's it's helping to bring those dollars truly to, to, to reality and to the bottom line. And, and that's a great thing. Um, outside of that, coming back to live after being in an online environment, um, the magic of people just being together, it, you realize how much that was missing and how critical yeah. that really was. In the early part of the pandemic, to, I hate to use the the, the, the the dreaded word in the industry, right? But oh, we pivoted. Yeah, yeah, great. Everybody pivots. Um, but it was a... Uh, it was one of those things that we finally, <laughs> the magic of people being together and the magic of one person being able to look across the room and see Alex bidding on an item and go, well, she's doing it. I can do it too. You know, I should, I should be raising my paddle and watching that magic happen in the raise the paddle was, was really cool. I mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about. It's about that community coming together and, and, and building up something else. Um, my only hope is that after we kind of get going through I think the international and larger scope of our audiences for individual organizations has more capability now that we've gone through that pandemic, that we've realized that we've got to engage online, we've got to engage prior to the event, after the event. We have to manage that donor relationship, uh, mm -hmm. which has always been done, but it's, it's critical now to say, gosh, Anthony, you've got a friend over in New York, and they've mm -hmm. got this wonderful program, and 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 you know, we really should get the two of you guys together so you can see what's happening on the West Coast, what's happening on the East, what's happening in the Midwest. And, and next thing you know, these, these small cottage organizations have 
national and international reach. And it's bringing more donors to the table. It's bringing more grants to the table. It's bringing more funds to the table, which is ultimately the goal to make sure that they are successful so they can continue doing the great work that they do. Speaking about funds to the table, uh, how, how many live auction prizes is too many? <laughs> oh, good question. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I will always answer that question with how much time do you have? Right. Because for me, um, it's what I enjoy, right? You don't work a day in your life if you do what you love. And I love being up there. And, and as long as the crowd's having fun, I'll go all night. That's totally fine. But I think you've got 45 minutes uh, of true attention capability. And if you, and you figure that a, for myself or you know other auctioneers have different timing, but three to four minutes per item plus about seven to 10 minutes to execute or raise the paddle, which is where the bulk of the funds come in. So you know if you break that down into a 45 minute time frame, you're talking about seven, eight items is a really good sweet spot. 10 to 12, if you've got them is, is, a, is, is fine. Um, the very first auction that I ever did when I took over the event um, that, was, that was part of a private organization was 365 items and it took the better part of six hours uh, and it was a lot. So I would say somewhere between one and 365 to answer the question. Oh, so, but that was an auction. It was an auction. That yeah. was an auction, not an event with a live auction, That's right? Correct. Let's make that um, yes. distinction. That is a, a, absolutely, thank you for that. That is a correct distinction. That was a live auction that people attended, not an event that had an auction, an auction portion. Yeah. So in the case of an auction portion, do yeah. you feel at a certain point, can you feel the audience waning? Can you feel them losing interest? Yeah, you can. You can you can watch the body language of your example of the auctioneer that walked on stage and everybody got up and went right. You know, right. you can start to see some of that, some of those fringe groups. And and I think uh, to me, it's it's uh, audibly when the crowd starts to get loud, you know that you've lost their interest, and it's more interesting to talk to the person across the table from you right. than it is to listen to whatever's happening on stage. And at some point in time. That's going to happen everywhere. These are social events as much as they are fundraising events. And that social interaction is critical, but you can hear it before you start to see it. And then once that volume goes up, then you start to see people disperse and go out. And then you have the, you know, your, your five tables in the front that are, Hey, everybody be quiet. I want to hear what's being sold right. and you know, all that kind of good stuff. So um, you watching the crowd and, and I think there are ways to engage that crowd. Right. So from a, from a, uh, practice standpoint, there was a long time where the, the bell curve, pardon the utilization of my last name, but <laughs> the bell curve, right, was how everybody strategically placed their items. It was a low value item, and then they kind of went up to a high value items, you know, and they got higher and higher, and then they might have tailed off with something that was of median value. And I think what happens is in, in a crowd, let's, let's say there's a, a hundred, well, let's say there's a 500 person crowd, 10% of that audience, 50 people, really have the the financial horsepower to really make those legendary items those american flags that sell for sixty thousand dollars and so on and so forth right it's about 10 percent of the audience but you need the other 90 percent of the audience to drive that 10 percent to those heights and so if you come out with something and it's you start off with a, a lovely dinner at a great restaurant and it's a thousand dollar value and you start out in the hundred dollar markers or 30% of the value. Everybody's interested, right? Cause a thousand dollars seems attainable. But then the next thing you do, you know, it's, it's a private jet to Fiji and it's a $25,000 starting bid. 90% of your audience just stop listening to you. Um, mm -hmm. That's not because they're not interested. It's because they, yeah. that's not something that is going to be necessarily achievable. And so breaking that bell curve and strategically utilizing sort of the retail values to be sure that you're re-engaging the crowd at those more reasonable mm. levels as you stage your items is, is I think, a, a great tip. Instead of, you know, start small and end massive, mm -hmm. start small, get a little bigger, then get down to medium, then get big, then get back down to small. Because every time you bring that up, the 90% of the crowd that feels like they're there to participate, but feels like they get bid out all the time is not talking to their neighbor. They're focused on, oh my gosh, this is, this is the date night for a year. I think I can get this. I should, mm -hmm. I should pay attention, that kind of stuff.
Now you don't select the prizes, so this is not your responsibility, but I am curious to know. And I, and I imagine there's some correlation between an audience and a prize, you know, but are there some prizes that always do better than others and vice versa? Are there some that you just can never get any traction for? Well, the, certainly the latter is probably easier to answer. And, and I think, um, sadly, it's, it's jewelry. Um, jewelry is subjective. Jewelry and art typically are the two most challenging ones to do in a fundraising environment to let them attain their full retail value. Mm-hmm. You can have an absolutely gorgeous ring or necklace or, or piece of jewelry, and it's not necessarily going to do as well because you've, you've, you've taken that larger applicability in the audience and you've narrowed it down to the person who likes rose gold and chocolate diamonds versus, well, I, I really like uh, more of the silvers and the platinums. And so I'm already out because it's not just not a piece that I would be interested in. And, and those types of purchases are subjective, not only for the buyer, but they're emotional for the buyer as well. Um, I want to, this is a great thing. I want to support the organization, but I'm not really a jewelry person. I don't, I don't wear a lot of extra jewelry, so I don't really need it. So there's something else. Art is the same way. Sometimes art can be absolutely incredible. Um, and, and sometimes it can just be really flat because it's just not the style that I curate in my house. It's not the kind of art that I enjoy. Um, contrary to that, the things that do really, really well, those prizes that are bigger, I think are those experiences that are one of a kind once in a lifetime. Um, they're, they're certainly, obviously pre-COVID, uh, traveling to foreign and exotic places was amazing. It was awesome. Uh, trips to Thailand and Fiji and all those types of things. Wonderful. Uh, but if you got down to it now, foreign travel is not as hot as it once was. And so you see things start to go in trend. One thing that has always gone really, really well, and I'm not sure totally why, given our geographic locality, beach cruisers and e-bikes. Really? Beach cruisers and e-bikes will oftentimes sell well above the value retail that they have um, because I think everybody goes, oh, I take a new bicycle. That's kind of fun. It's, it's a reasonably priced item, but at the same time, it's something that you wouldn't just run out and go buy for yourself off the, off the, the lot. That's great information. I hope yeah. everyone is listening. Yeah. You know, go, go race out to your local bike dealer and say, Hey, would you like to donate a $5,000? Let's make that happen. Today. Let's do it. Yeah. So you have a daytime job as well. I do. Which begs the question, how does work-life balance look to you? <laughs> if you ask me, uh, it's honestly, then we'll ask Courtney. We'll yeah, ask Courtney. Say, let, ask, ask Courtney um, because because she's the, the the true bellwether in that. You know, I would say that um, prior to COVID, my work life balance uh, I didn't have one. It didn't exist. There was work, and work was life, and uh, I was running 100 miles an hour all the time in different directions. Uh, COVID certainly allowed me to reconnect with my two kids. Um, and reconnect with Courtney and, and reconnect on what really matters, uh, which is which is those, in my humble opinion, it's it's those family experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. And that really readjusted goals uh, looking outward. Um, but I think anytime in the, I will, I will uh, liberally include myself in the entertainment industry. I think when you look at the entertainment industry, especially when you get started, you have to say yes to everything mm-hmm. because you never know where the yeah. next quantum leap is going to go, right? And you, right. you don't know if the person in the audience is the next person that is going to lead you to that ultimate goal. And so I got myself into the, the churn of, I just, I never said no, unless I absolutely had to. Um, and, and then you start not saying no, and I'm not very good at saying no anyway. And then it, it, yeah, it, it comes off balance. Um, so yes, I, I still have a day job. Um, I am lucky enough to work in a family organization and a family business that is now spanning, going into its fourth generation. Um, and so because of that, I, I have had some liberties to pursue what started out as a hobby, what started out as just a nice way to make two ends meet in the middle um, and has now sort of blo- blossomed, thankfully, into a, a full-blown second mm-hmm. career. Um, but right now, instead of, I, I, am, I am probably sacrificing now more uh, just of things that I used to love to do, uh, backpacking, scuba diving, adventuring, that kind of good stuff. Um, that's probably on the back burner. Uh, family takes a, a priority seat. My, my daughter is uh, 
an incredibly talented athlete and, and leader in her school. And I want to be there for all of those things. And my son is pursuing some really fun sports and fencing and, and is starting to blossom himself into a, into an awesome little guy. And I, I want to be sure that that is what I get to do. Uh, and well, how will you do that? How will you do that now that business is coming back and, and the requests are coming in faster than they were the last couple of years? Uh, are you, have you taken a pledge not to say yes to everything? I have started off by setting aside time. Um, so our, uh, our family calendar is typically planned two years in advance. Um, so I have taken time to set aside and say, we are going to spend these two weeks mm. on vacation or doing something else. Um, and so those are fully hands off. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's, that's the only lovely. way to do it. I would yep. imagine, right? You have to plan way in advance and then protect those dates. And, and yes, and Courtney, uh, without her, I would be a bumbling pile of moronicness hitting the stage yeah. on a regular basis because she's the <laughs> one that keeps the calendar clean. Um, you know, I, I would lie and say that I always kept it perfect, but there were, there were times um, earlier on in, in sort of building this side of my life that uh, I was saying yes to everything to the extent of uh, three events in a day, a morning, an evening, and a, and a, and a lunchtime event. And then um, not planning appropriately for the time and not giving due time necessary for each client, just trying to bounce from one to the other. And, and that was that was that was going down a, a pretty bad path uh, from that aspect and standpoint. So. I think she told us the same thing before this call yep. that yeah. <laughs> I'm sure was... I'm sure she probably did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what does a successful event look like to you? You know, I think a successful event succinctly is one that people tell their friends about, that share the organizational goal of what they heard, uh, and that are eager to book back. That's a successful event. Mm -hmm. um, all of the scrambling and the last minute headaches and the, oh my gosh, the LED wall failed or the microphones didn't work. All of that is a, is a day of fire that we can fight, that we can fix. Ultimately, a successful event is one that people desire to come back to and they invite their friends to be a part of it, um, to, mm -hmm. to be a part of that, that group that they support. Um, obviously the other hallmarks of a successful event, if it runs on time, which I'm not sure there's one out there that does, uh, if it runs on time, if everybody is, you know, everything is, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and there's not a single thing that goes wrong, um, it's not an event, but, but in, in all honesty, would you want to do an event that doesn't have a little bit of drama? I mean, there's a, there's gotta be a little <laughs> bit of fire. There's, you know, we, I thrive on, on helping solve problems and figure stuff out and whether that's figuring out how to gaff tape a microphone stand together because the speaker is six feet taller than I could ever possibly be, or, or if it's just, you know, figuring out how to, how to fix the little things, but uh, there's gotta be a little bit of drama in every event or else nobody would do it. Well, it leads <laughs> to stories to tell which keeps True. the event memorable and kind of bonds people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, you know, the, this industry, I have always been incredibly amazed at how quickly a team can come together. Um, some seemingly you have independent contractors from all over the space, right? Audio is independent and video is independent and production is independent and all these types of things. And all of a sudden they coalesce for that one goal, that one purpose of creating that show. And you may never see those folks again, but for that five hours, it was the tightest, most well-oiled machine that you could ever experience. And, and that's inspiring. I, mm -hmm. I have friends all over the world now that we've done shows together and we may not see each other for two years, but immediately when we do, we fall back into that, that level of trust that is, it's, it's unspeakable. You just, you either have it or you don't. And, and when a crew comes together and coalesces, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. I, I, I do agree that most events don't run on time, but I feel compelled to point out that I've been doing the BBB Torch Awards since 2001. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that event always runs on time. Well, one time, one time I was two minutes late in ending that event and caught hell for it. It always runs on time. So I just wanted to say that. That's right. Shout out to the BBB. Um, if you could ask your clients to do one thing and know they would follow through, what would that be? 
Hmm. That's a, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, Don't say water. No. Um, <laughs> I would ask them to, to think beyond the single event. Think, think beyond how will it impact things moving forward. Um, think about the, the, the ripples down the line for some of the micro momentary decisions that sometimes get made. Um, and that, that starts at um, uh, somebody donated gorgeous centerpieces. Oh, they're amazing. They're phenomenal. But they're, they're entire forests of flowers that is blocking the vision of the person mm -hmm. seated in the six o'clock position to the stage. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and and to, to look at those various aspects and how those decisions create ripples beyond the event and, and leading up to it. So um, just having a little bit of that, I, I guess we would call it situational awareness of, of and it's, it's, it's an incredibly challenging thing to do because it's just not something you always think about, but, but looking at it from, from multiple angles uh, and, and multiple mm -hmm. viewpoints and, and making sure that it's right. Um, so I don't know, maybe that, that would be it. I, I get to work I with think, awesome people. I think that's a great answer. I, mm -hmm. I really do. And I, I, I'd love to just expand on that by saying that we're all sort of wrapped up, especially in the uh, foundation world and the fundraising world, we're so wrapped up in the annual gala, the annual fundraiser, and that's how the schedule works. Once you finish one, you breathe, and then in a few months you start working on that same event again. And I've started to uh, recommend to people that they look at their events in a three-year cycle rather than just a one-year cycle with regard to getting sponsors and getting people on the hook to donate and a year goes by so fast anymore. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I must say, I love that answer. Uh, situational awareness and awareness of, of really what it is you're looking to do beyond the event. Mm -hmm. um, what's next for you? Oh gosh. I, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I don't, uh, as much as far as we are planned out on our on our calendar, I, I I tend not to tend not to dwell so far. I think I have always wanted uh, to further push into the voiceover world. Um, you know, if you if you would ask yeah. my my ten year old self, my eight year old self, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, my answer was always I, I want to be a cartoon. I want to be uh, I want to be the voice of of some cool character or a myriad of characters, you know, on, on some sort of a program, I think that would just be amazing. Uh, and, and any more, you know, goodness help me, I, I get involved in uh, film shoots or, or, or television shoots or commercial shoots or whatever that is from, from whatever aspect, whether we're playing host as the, the location or production or whatever it is. Um, I love that world. Uh, and I, and I, I can, I could easily see myself following that direction. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think, I think next is, is continue keeping on and, and keeping on. I mean, at some point in time, that phone's going to stop ringing and, and somebody younger, smarter, faster, better is, is going to take my place. And so if I can find that person and, and cultivate them and, and, and pass on anything that I have learned, then hopefully I've passed the torch and moved on. But, um, you know, one, one day, uh, I think, Courtney would love to, I, it's funny, we, we have this conversation and she goes, you will retire one day, right? You will stop at some point in time. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we go somewhere and I go, you know, what'd be really fun driving the San Diego trolley tours and being a San Diego trolley tour guy. That would be super cool. We should do that. And she goes, that's not retiring. That's just finding another <laughs> job. <laughs> but it'd be cool. You know, just to, you know, I, I love, I love, I love our town. I love San Diego for as big as it is. It still feels small to me. Mm -hmm. and I, I love exploring all the aspects and the people in it and every part of it. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, so sharing that would be great. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I could ever run for political office, but it would be really fun to just be a part of, I don't know, the San Diego convention tourism, get people here, get people excited, take people on tours, share the awesome food. I don't know. Who knows? Have a television program that speaks about uh, all things San Diego and uh, this, uh, this. You know, Larry Himmel did it, and yeah. he was phenomenal at it. Um, yes, he did. 
Yeah. Courtney's yeah. mad at you right now, Anthony. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> she's seeing, she's seeing all of her potential retirement dreams. You know, going, Listen, we, we never we never stop working. But again, I, I'm a firm believer in if you, if you do something that you love to do, mm -hmm. whether that is welding or art or singing or, or, or greeting people at Walmart, for heaven's sakes, if, if you love what you do, it's not work. You're just... You're just being you. You're just having fun. And, and if you're taking pride in it, and if you're having fun with it, it's going to spill over. And I think when you identify people that everybody looks at and goes, oh my gosh, they are phenomenal at their job. It's because they love it. It's because they're interested in it. It's because they enjoy it. And, and I, I guess I'll keep doing what I love until I don't love it anymore, but, but I don't see that happening. So. Yeah. I think the perfect thing to aspire to is Betty White. You just go. Right. Right. until you you're done and she yeah. loved every moment of it yeah it, and and that's i don't know that's my my grandfather is 90 almost 94 years old um still involved in the family business you know i, I went over to his house the other day to, to help him with a little technology problem and i show up and he's he's wearing the uniform from from our business um uh, which is is yellow shirt and black pants arguably not fashionable in the least um but he's but he's wearing it and it's because it's what he's been doing, but he was a police officer. He was a butcher. You know, he had so many different things that people would codify as a singular career. I think it's great to just keep finding things that make you happy. And, and, you know, ultimately they've got to be successful at some point in time, right? You can't, um, it's probably why I never became a really successful voiceover artist as a, as a younger person is because I, yeah. um, I, I was starting a young family and there's a responsibility there and you mm -hmm. got to, you know, you can't, you can't run off and, and, and chase the horizons, you know, and, and, and tilt against windmills all the time. Sometimes you got to play in reality a little bit and, and, and be there, but I don't know if anybody's, you know, out there that wants to create a television show. I mean, I think we've got a great cast here, uh, Alex, Anthony, I think we could do something that would rival either the view or good morning America. I think it could be really nice. I, I, I'm going to say I agree. And, you know, like you, my ultimate dream is to do animation, right? So right. we could create something fun. Right. <laughs> How cool is it to play in a world where gravity doesn't matter? I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I feel pretty, uh, pretty nailed down to this chair at the moment. Uh, speaking <laughs> about gravity. Okay, we got we got to get to the nitty gritty. Ah, does that mean the Balotified no. Five? Clint, what yes. is your golden rule? Your golden rule, what is it? Do everything to 100% of your ability and then go beyond whenever you can give it. Whenever you're in anything, always give all of yourself and expect little in return. Mm, that, is, that is a great piece of advice. Yeah. You don't get disillusioned and... Uh, upset when things don't go your way, when you don't have huge expectations. Uh, what is the one habit that you have and that you practice daily that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Get up and get, uh, well, I'm, I'm, an early, I'm an early riser. I'm a late to bed, I'm an early riser. Um, but at some point in time, some days you have to make yourself and remind yourself, but, um, but smile find the joy and find the humor in the, in even the worst of things and, and just make sure you smile and whether you chuckle to yourself or you make somebody else chuckle, add a little bit of levity every day. Mm -hmm. Critical. Love that. I did think you were going to end with, I get up and I thought, well, you know, that is a start. It's, it's, really habit. it's, uh, it's what's made me successful. I, uh, I was going to go with breathing, but I felt that breathing would be too obvious. So there you go. But that helps too. It does. It does. Yeah. What, what are the things you tell yourself when no one is listening? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I guess I would, I, 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 I tell myself that uh, I can, I don't know, you, you can do it, right? I mean, whether somebody, I guess people are listening all the time uh, in the new age, but. Um, <laughs> Your microwave. Yeah, I right? heard what you said before you said it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, I think uh, I tell myself, um, you're doing, you're doing okay. You're, you're, you're doing well. You're, you're, you're making a, you're making a, you're, you've, you've made a difference in somebody's life. And so that's fine. Um, and whether that's a small difference or a big difference, it's, that's 
right? Uh, make a positive change in somebody's life. And, and I think I give myself that pat on the back every now and again and just go, you know, and you leave an event and, and, and it goes off well, you go, cool. I think I might've, think I might've helped somebody today. That's good. Good. That's great. That is. It's beautiful. And how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? <laughs> I still think I'm around 23. I don't mm -hmm. know that, uh, you know, old enough to uh, old enough to have fun in all of the uh, in all of the sinful manners in which uh, that uh, age pr provides you. But, um, you know, I, I had a really great influence uh, in my life was was actually my dad's college roommate. Uh, and, and his saying sticks with me every day, which is uh, growing old is biology, but growing up is fully optional. Um, and so I think uh, I think 20, I think 23 is about where like I <laughs> he I sounds like be. every man I've ever met. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. uh, Peter Pan complex. We all have. There you it. go. Yeah. But you know, yeah. in, in balance, that's a perfect complex to have, right? It is. I, youthful I think. thinking. You, True. You, youthful. It leads to wishful. It leads to optimism. It leads mm -hmm. for better days. So Clint, last question. Yep. What is your why? To make well, my my why is to continue finding ways to make an impact. Um, and when I was when I was younger and and uh, in debt and struggling to make two ends meet in the middle, um, it was uh, to to do whatever I could to to make an impact for others. Um, and and ultimately one day perhaps that becomes financially, right? It's the uh, what I what I can do now is I can I can work hard. I can give back of my time and of whatever talent I have. And then hopefully one day that translates into being able to give back with treasure and, and maybe, maybe all three. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, making, making an impact in a positive way and, and, and just, you know, being, I don't know, trying to, trying to change the world one person at a time with a little bit of, a little bit of joy, a little bit of positivity and, and a little bit of focus on um, just because it's the way that it, used to be done doesn't mean it's right the right right way to do it now you know be, but be make a change make a positive change for for everyone regardless of who what where why doesn't matter we're all we're all on the same ball of you know water and soil and we're all spinning around the same sun and at one point in time we got to figure out that we all got to start pulling for each other as opposed to against each other so is that one more question is that um is that a real state of being uh, focused on what you can do for the world rather than what the world could do for you? I think so. I mean, but it's, I think it, it has to be done on a, on a microcosm. It's, it cannot be, a, you can't start off by changing the world globally. You, you have to start with one thing at a time, one person at a time, one event at a time. How does your action create a reaction or a positive reaction somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. And that's as, you know, I, I mean, down to the very base level, if you go out to eat at a restaurant, um, you know, tip, tip well. Yeah. Yes. Um, the person, the person, the person served you. I, I grew up in a service culture. Mm -hmm. uh, my, you know, my, my grandfather uh, on one side was, was a police officer and, and he welded for Roar Aircraft, you know, at the end of World War II and so he was always in a service culture and our business is in the service industry. And so I think that frames a lot of that, right? How do I create and cultivate your experience as a guest translates to how do I create and cultivate a better world? One person at a time, one guest at a time. Um, and it's, it's, it's ideological and it's, you know, everybody throws around, oh, I'll make a better place. Da, da, da. Um, but if, if one person can do it, then two people can do it. Mm -hmm. Two mm -hmm. people can do it. Four people can do it. And we can exponentially increase that, but we have to we have to get rid of the um, the world owes me something mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the 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 world owes you what you put into it. Mm -hmm. and if you put terrible things into it, terrible things happen to you. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to say. If you put good things into it, then you can expect good things to come out of it. And, and sometimes you don't get them, but it doesn't mean you stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Or you may not just be getting them in the way that you thought or anticipated, mm -hmm. but it's coming to you in sometimes even better ways. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And the beautiful thing is that you've been doing this for a long time and you still feel the way that you do. A lot of people enter the world of business, enter the world feeling like they want to make a change and do the world good, but then get so beaten down by people yeah. that they start to turn inward and forget about the world and start thinking, well, the world has treated me like dirt, so I don't really care so much. And it's all about me, 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 me. That's an easy a uh, deep black hole to fall into. Absolutely. And yet you haven't. Well, I, yes, I, but I think, I don't know, I, I get to be around people who are volunteering their time all the time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you go to events and, and you have a myriad of volunteers and you have people that are, are committing their lives to something impressive. And, and whether that's big grand plans, right? Solving homelessness, solving solving the unhoused problem, or that's small plans. Like, we just really want to put a shade structure at our elementary school. That's really what we're in it for, right? right. People are giving of their time. And so when you surround yourself with people who are are giving of that, it's it sort of rubs off on you, as opposed to, um, you know, Alex, back to your, your original comment, right? And when you start to believe in your own press, and you start to go, well, of course I deserve green M&Ms in my, my green room. Of course my writer says that I'm supposed to have, you know, sparkly water served at a, at a, at a balmy 55 degrees. That's when you, yeah. that's when you start to take more from the world that you give to it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's when, and, and when people reinforce that for you, um, I think that makes that black hole a lot easier to slip mm -hmm. into. You, you start to fall headlong because Cause that's a warm place, man. Like right. people are going, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, we'll get that for you. Of course yes. you deserve these new things. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's a really fine line. I mean, the influencer culture that we exist in is it's unique, right? But it's, it's not new. Um, brand advertisement spokespeople back in the fifties and the sixties saw that same love of, I can say this and I can change markets. I can move stock mm -hmm. prices. We're seeing that with influencers and, and now it's, well, of course I deserve a, a brand new free car to try out because my opinion matters. And, and that's that it's a war. It's a, it's an easy hole to fall into. Mm -hmm. Right. Human nature mm -hmm. tells us to surround ourselves with that. And right. We just, we have to resist that draw by, by, by ringing that black hole with a barrier of people that go, Hey, I'm doing this for others. I'm not doing it for me. And, and hopefully you run into that net you know, before you, before you slip into it. So you know, if I can just reinforce that, I just want to share something that I read yesterday. It's a friend of mine who is constantly doing drives for the mm -hmm. homeless. Right. And she was down, we had all donated a bunch of stuff and sent, and she brought it all down there. And as she was filling this one man's bag, he he went, no, no, no enough. I don't need any more. Please give all this to other people. And he started giving to other people. I don't need more than that. And I thought, here's somebody who's unhoused on the streets, living under a tarp and thinking about those around him. Mm -hmm. So anybody can do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and, and isn't that isn't that true, though, of some of the other aspects, you know, uh, the Monarch School uh, is a phenomenal Ugh. project uh, here in San Diego. That's that is unlike anything else. Right. That we just did their event mm -hmm. uh, just last week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that always strikes me about Monarch is out of every graduating class, there is a there is somebody who turns right around and, and pursues a degree of higher education that would allow them to, to go back into work in, in any sector. They could go back into social work. They could go back and, you know, they could go back into the marketing world, but they turn around and they give those talents back to the organization, back to the place that gave them their start. Mm -hmm. um, and that is... I mean, that's awesome. Like that's, that's when you go, cool, it worked. And it doesn't have to be every single person. There are, there are other people going out and sharing that story and they're, they're, they're bringing that influence into other worlds. But, but those people that come back and, and give back to what gave them their help, gave them their start, the, the gentleman on the street who says, I'm good. I, I have what I need. I don't need any more. I'm going to give this to somebody else um, is I think what humans are all about. It's just, we've gotten so insulated with what does it do for me? What does it make me feel like that we've, we've, we've lost that we've, we've, we've idolized right, wrong, or otherwise, right. We've, we've, we've given too much credence to things that don't make those core connections. So anyway, that's a bit esoteric for the entertainment and the events podcast, but, um, you know, but you, thank you. 
Yes, you get thank to you. you get to be a part of things that you watch. That's how you stay out of that black hole. It's it's you know mm. if ever. I've always said that if I ever, you know, put down in earnest, uh, and it's fun to joke about, right? You play backstage. Oh, what's on your writer? Well, it would be a, this, that, or the other thing, because I really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> if you ever get to that point where you're going, okay, I have to have this. And if you throw a tantrum and absolutely won't perform because it's not there, um, you no longer have use in the world, in my humble opinion. Mm. Um, Amen. Thank you Amen. for it. Th- thank you. Go away. Just go. <laughs> go away. Don't go, go away. angry. Just go. Just go. And we don't mean that to any of you listening, but we do thank you for listening. And we thank you, Clint Bell, for spending this time with us. Uh, We know it's not the end for us. We'll be seeing you more and more and more as uh, Courtney lets you say yes to things. (laughs) And (laughs) to our audience, I'd like to thank you all for listening to Bellotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolada. Stay engaged and stay engaging. <laughs> <laughs>